Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. The entire first season of This Time Tomorrow is available now to binge from start to finish. In this new iHeart series presented by T-Mobile for Business, join me, Osvaloshin, and Kara Price as we explore the exciting possibilities of the next generation of connectivity. From smart cities to future farms, you'll find out just how much could change with future 5G networks. Listen to This Time Tomorrow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush, Mini Crush Horror Movie Spooktacular Part 2. And I'm in the studio, everybody, with uh, Joe and Robert from Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Hi, guys. Hey. hey. Thanks, Thanks for coming. having us on the show, man. You doing good? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, great. Yeah. So for everyone, for the uninitiated, uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind was one of our original uh, suite of stuff shows. Uh, I think it was originally called Stuff from the Science Lab? Correct, no. yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that name wasn't great. but <laughs> uh, And it changed a lot over the years from sort of um, kind of, I hate to say mainstream science, but it got a lot more offbeat and out there uh, when you guys kind of got on board. Uh, so why don't you tell everyone just briefly what your show's all about? Uh. Well, let's see. I t- <laughs> well, I mean, it is, be it, this it is still – okay, sorry. It is still a science show. Um, yeah. We, no, I mean, I, I don't know how offbeat I'd say we are. I'd say that, uh, I mean, the science we, – we still try to bring a mainstream uh, scientific skeptical kind of perspective. We're not like uh, out there peddling the science of, you know, crystal healing or something oh, like no, that. No, of course but not. we – I think maybe what you've detected is that we tend to, because of our interests, sort of – put science on a collision course with weird other topics. So we end up talking about how science topics intersect with movie monsters and with, uh, you know, epic poems of history and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess part of it just comes from us being a bit offbeat and like we're going to try and describe some sort of, uh, in some cases, you know, pretty heady scientific topic. Yeah. Sometimes the metaphors we're going to turn to are going to be things like, say, uh, the Highlander movies. Right. <laughs> the first two, anyway. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think of all of our shows, um, it intersects a lot. Like, I think listeners to Movie Crush would really dig it because it intersects with film a lot of times, reference-wise and just, I don't know, it's sort of your approach. Um, so I think people would appreciate it listeners to this show. Cool. Well, I hope they check it out. Uh, yeah. j- just as a sample, like every October, we spend the whole month doing basically horror-themed episodes. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So uh, just a couple of examples. One episode we did earlier this month was about a British 
water demon called Ginny Greenteeth, who is oh this lady. God. Yeah, she she lurks in the stagnant pools, the old marl pits that have been dug out in uh-huh. the North English countryside, and now they're full of water, and they've got this green uh, type of vegetation floating on top, so they can look just like flat ground that a child could run into yeah. and fall. Uh, so people came up with this story about this demoness who haunts the waters, named Ginny Greenteeth, who will pull the children in. Oh my God! But that <laughs> but that gave us a good chance to talk. So we got we love talking about like the the folklore and the mythology there, yeah. but then we also got to talk about like uh, water to land attacks in biology where mm-hmm. you've got like in uh, France, there are these catfish that have adapted to jump out of the river and snag pigeons off the bank and pull <laughs> oh, wow. them in. Yeah. Man. But, then, but then also get into the uh, just the psychology of, of why we make up stories like that or why those stories kind of emerge from uh, from human culture. Like why take something that is a, a naturally occurring dangerous hazard yeah. and then put this additional layer of horrific fiction over it, a horrific folklore. Right. And then Man. give it to our children. That's and we, awesome. We, yeah, and we've exactly. got great listeners. You know, they, they come up with great ideas in response to our episodes a lot. Uh-huh. I mean, one thing a lot of listeners have – gotten in touch with us after the Jenny Greenteeth episode to say is, you know, it probably has something to do with the idea of the agency of the danger where like a child being warned about, you know, there are pools out there you could yeah. fall in and drown. The kid's like, ah, who cares? Right. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> but Ginny Greenteeth. But, right. You tell them that there's a monster that they have no control over. Like the monster, it's outside there. You know, they can't be too confident about what a monster could do to them. Right. So it's just sort of a mild form of psychological child abuse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and it can go too far. Like we talked about this one weird example I found from a journal in like the early modern England where there was like this girl who uh, who got some riding clothes dirty and she was afraid her parents would be mad at her. So what the historical records say is that she drowned herself in a pool thinking that she could come back as one of these water demonesses uh-huh. after she drowned there. That's awesome. Man, that's good <laughs> no, stuff. That's, that's not awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as a story. Yes. Or was that real? Uh, I mean, I, as far as I know, that's a true story. Uh, yeah. Well, then that's not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like cinematically, it's all, all of this uh, eventually manifested in um, Ridley Scott's legend that uh, Meg Mucklebone's character oh, that yeah, rises yeah. up to uh-huh. uh, threaten Tom Cruise at one point. That's yeah, yeah. essentially Meg Mucklebone. I mean, that's essentially uh, Jenny Greenteeth. Huh. So that's where that came from? I'm, I, I think I'm pretty positive. I, she's got to be a yeah. Jenny Greenteeth. Yeah. I mean, there are other characters like that. It's not just Jenny Greenteeth. There's a general sort of class of water demonesses that right. live around the world. <laughs> uh, so she could be inspired by one of them. But yeah, I think it's got to be Jenny Greenteeth. Yeah, right? it has that, to be. That Green is the skin. most awesome monster. I love <laughs> Meg Mucklebones. Yeah, that was one of the questions I posed actually last week. We just did a bunch of uh, – I do a lot of on the mini crushes interaction with the with the Facebook group. And I was just like, what's your what's the scariest killer? What's the best weapon in horror movies? And we got a lot of, like, great responses. But no one said that one. That'd be, that's a good one. <laughs> well, Meg Mucklebones is a great example of something that comes up on our show all the time, which is, like, a monster that's better than the movie it's in. Yeah. 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 Like, Legend is, uh, unfortunately, for it's all, all right. of its wonderful aesthetic qualities and yeah. the fact that it's got Tim Curry, just the best human to ever live. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's such a slog. Like, can you get through it? Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 tough. Well, then also that that monster in particular, it's not even it's just a side quest. Yeah, it pops up. It it's it's kind of like the with the Boba Fett of that film where you you, you right. see it, you're super into it, you just want more of this creature, and then it's gone and doesn't come back. You see everybody. I told you these Wait, guys. What <laughs> if you want to listen to a science show and you like movies? These are the dudes. So Joe, I have to sell uh, Noel out a little bit. He said um, last week that. 
that you guys were great to get in here because it'll be a little more deep into the horror canon and stuff that uh, not quite as mainstream. And he said that just get ready because Joe likes bad horror movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we both love bad horror movies. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. and more, it's the bad ones I think I'm drawn to. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've talked about this a fair amount. I feel like, I, I think with a with a with a really solid horror film it's doing all the thinking for you which is great yeah um at times but if you have a, a horror film that's rougher around the edges mm-hmm. maybe has some some long boring spells in there it gives you time to think and you're you're just kind of trying to to fix the film in your mind right. and uh uh, or, or just creating you know, extra layers of meaning that were totally not intended to be there, and uh, I, I, I enjoy that more and more these days. Well, what it's, I guess it's a little more participatory that way. Yeah, yeah. I well, just watched the uh, the first Halloween. Well, I saw the new Halloween uh, in Phoenix a couple of days ago. I haven't seen it yet, so don't spoil well, anything. I want, well, Michael gets a little stabby. I don't want to ruin <laughs> really. <anything>. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. He gets a little stabby. Um, but then last night. I was on West Coast time still, so I was kind of up late, and I queued up the original Halloween, and which I hadn't seen in a long, long time. So it was cool to see all the references, and um, the the new one was a lot more referential to the first than I re- had remembered, but I was fine with it. I was I've seen people kind of poke at that a little bit, but uh, I, I mean it's a great homage. It was oh, really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The original Halloween is it's kind of unimpeachable. I mean I love it. It. Uh, so you saw it for the first time on like a new like good TV, right? Would that be yeah, the case? yeah? So yeah. like, did you see for the first time that like, oh, it's not actually autumn. This is like summertime in California, <laughs> and everything's green. <laughs> a and little there are bit, a few yeah. Orange leaves scattered there's palm, about. There's a palm tree here and there in the uh-huh. like deep background. Yeah, but I'm sort of used to like looking for LA in movies. Uh, although it's not quite as bad, you know, these days because they don't film everything there. But yeah, that's like Pasadena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that famous hedge, a friend of mine, um, or you guys might know Matt Gorley. He uh, does the James Bonding podcast and uh, another movie podcast called I Was There Too. And he, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's where he talks to uh, sort of like the fifth or sixth person on the call sheet <laughs> of famous movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has he's a big Halloween guy and lived very close to that that street or the streets where they filmed that. And took a you know great pictures at the famous hedge, where you know Michael's standing there, and then he's there one second, and then behind the bush the next, mm-hmm. and it's all it's all still there. That's the stuff that makes the movie. Like, oh, yeah. uh, the the best part of Halloween, in my opinion, is not actually like after the murders start. It's all that stuff in the first half mm-hmm. where Jamie Lee Curtis is, you know, she's in school or she's at home looking out the window or something, and yeah. you just see him for a second out there, <sighs> and then he's gone. And the way the way those shots interact with the music is just so perfect. The music yeah. also makes that movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite part about uh, about Halloween because um, I don't think it's really my favorite Carpenter film. It's probably not even like my top ten Carpenter films. <laughs> it's not even my favorite Halloween film. Oh yeah, <laughs> Halloween three. Yeah, yeah that's what that's what uh, Noel told me. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that one, so I know oh, that one doesn't feature Michael Myers, and it's no. about well, it does. He's on TV in it. Uh, <laughs> there's a scene where characters are watching the original Halloween. Okay, so what's the deal though? It's about. Uh, a horror mask company? Yes, but also like a techno-pagan conspiracy yeah. with a kind of ambiguous uh, 
uh, goals in mind, yeah. uh, perhaps <laughs> world domination, or maybe they just want to kill all the children. Maybe I should just explain <laughs> the plot to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's got the the old man from RoboCop. You remember Dan O'Herlihy? Yeah, He's the head sure. of the boardroom. Detroit has a cancer. And the yeah. cancer is crying. <laughs> yeah. That guy. So he runs a company that you find out over the course of the movie. You've got uh, like Tom Atkins and Stacey Nelkin. You know, Tom Atkins, like masculine, kind of like strawberry blonde Burt Reynolds. Mm, I don't know. I, I would probably recognize him. He's in The Fog. Have you seen The Fog? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the like the stra- strawberry blonde mustache guy in The Fog. Okay, yeah, I know yeah, that Yeah, so he plays like a beer-swilling surgeon with a nagging ex-wife. And uh, so he he ends up uh, going with this young lady to investigate the death of her father in this town in California. And the town is like this – it's this weird fascist town that's run by this company that makes Halloween masks that are enormously successful. And mm-hmm. like every shop in the country has got to have them. The kids are obsessed with them and they air these TV commercials that play this song over and over Robert, can you sing the song? Oh, it's well, yeah, it's happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Yeah. To the tune of London Bridge. <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's, once the movie's over, you will be singing it for <laughs> years. And uh, so they find out in the end that Dan O'Herlihy's goal is to. Oh, whoa, whoa, you skipped over something really important, and that's the fact that there are androids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's part <laughs> yeah. of Yeah. Uh, Dan O'Herlihy, he's got a factory full of, like, uh, like thugs that are androids in. in three-piece suits. What? And, yeah, and they they run around killing people all wow. to service his ultimate goal of giving Halloween masks out to children everywhere so that when the Halloween masks are activated by the television commercial, uh-huh. a microchip made of a piece of stone hinge that's inside <laughs> the, ma- the mask. Uh, did I say map a minute ago? I think I meant mask. Uh-huh. Uh, a piece of... Stonehenge microchip inside the mask turns oh, into man. a laser that shoots the child's head and turns the head into crickets and snakes. And that's, what? that's his plan. Wow. I did not. I mean, I knew it was loosely about uh, masks that did things, but I had no idea. One of the the best things about it, though, is, is so John Carpenter did not direct this. Okay, but, Noel said he did, and I didn't think that was right. No, yeah, that's it, wrong. Uh, I can't remember the, who directed it off. Tommy now. Lee Wallace, Tommy the director Wallace. of the It miniseries yes, with, with right. Tim Curry. Oh, okay. But the the soundtrack was John Carpenter and Alan Howarth, and right. in my opinion, it's it's probably the best Carpenter Howarth soundtrack. It's, oh wow! It's just, I mean, it's just. It's 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 Halloween to the max. It's it's everything that you you, you like in other Carpenter soundtracks, except somehow just more electric. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I put that one like score wise right at the top. I love it. I listen to that soundtrack all the time. Wow. And do you know the origin of the theme song for your show, the show we're on right now? No. <laughs> I think Noel made it inspired by a track I sent him from the Halloween Three soundtrack. Well. All right, that all makes sense then because I told I told Noel when I was commissioning that piece, <laughs> I was like, I want something sort of 80s and synthy, and I referenced Carpenter, and I was like, and just go wild. So this is specifically Halloween 3 inspired? Yeah. Which, I, which I mean, I think so. Was it Chariots of Pumpkins? I think it's Chariots of Pumpkins. Yeah, I okay. think he was like, you know, the name of the I, was, yeah. I sent him a Chariots <laughs> of Pumpkins link, and I was like, use this as your jumping off point. Wow. Man, I didn't know that. Uh, thanks for that then. I didn't know you influenced the uh, movie crush so much. Well, we'll hear we'll hear what he says. He could be he could dispute me, but I think <laughs> this is the case. Here's the thing: saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball, because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. 
he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join Join us. us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly... Join us. That'd be crazy! But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please... Join us! On Spotify. Visit spotify.com slash lastpodcast to listen free. All right, so uh, I threw some questions out at you guys, and we've already talked a little bit about the first one, but I'm curious about mainstream or what you would consider mainstream horror filmmakers and or movies and kind of what, what some of your favorites are. I, I have to go with John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, he is the master. I mean, it's hard to say when you're in the horror world, I don't know what actually counts as mainstream. Right. Because there's stuff that, like, everybody who's into horror knows about, but the people who aren't into horror probably don't know about it all. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's mainstream or not. I'm probably uh, asking the wrong guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, as far as, like, definitely mainstream directors i i couldn't i couldn't say other than carpenter i mean carpenter's made so many wonderful films and also going back to what we started on earlier he, he's made some great bad films mm-hmm. like yeah. uh like if you've ever seen ghosts of mars that just hits all <laughs> I never of saw the that. bad movie notes i mean it's the kind of movie that you get the feeling they did not work over the texture of how the lines would sound when spoken by actors. Right. So they they try to replicate the character of Snake Plissken from uh-huh. Escape from New York uh, by having a character named Desolation Williams. <laughs> and, like, and characters actually like go around calling him. It's like, hey, Desolation. <laughs> Played by Ice Cube, by oh, the way. Was it Ice Cube? Really? Yeah. They don't even call him Des? No, they, uh, well, maybe they do eventually, but at least at some point they're calling it, it's like, what's up, Desolation? That's weird. Yeah. There's so many great elements in that film, though, even though the the finish, the, the final product doesn't really come together because you have a pretty good cast. Like mm-hmm. You got, again, Ice Cube, you got... Uh, Wait. Isn't Sinise in that one, or is he? Gary Sinise? Or am I thinking of um, a different one? That could That Jason. might be Mission to Mars. Yeah, it, yeah, that, he's in that. But this has Jason Statham. Oh, Jason Statham. Uh, Pam Greer. Pam Greer yeah. is in it. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's it's not good. I mean, I don't know if you should see it if you're not into, like, really bad horror movies. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so there's that end of the spectrum. That's Carpenter in the, what, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. But early Carpenter is, just cannot be beat. And I love his weirder movies that a lot of people don't like. Our producer Ramsey here, I know I lent him my copy of Prince of Darkness, and uh-huh. I think he was not into it. But uh, <laughs> He gave us a, a middle road oh, okay. signal. Well, I, I love Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter. Have you seen that one? I haven't. I can picture the cover in my in my head of the or the poster. Green, yes. like stretchy yep. face. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't see that one. You should check it out. I mean I can't promise you'll like it, but if you like a uh, very weird, bonkers, original plot, I can't think of another movie that's got a story like it where there's this whole thing about quantum physics and about the anti-god yeah. and, like, the devil being a part of, of physics. It, it's crazy. 
Yeah, it, it it does play nicely with some. I mean, I wouldn't call it a like a sciencey horror film, but it it uses some science set pieces uh, rather effectively. I mean, the science is not like accurate, but well, in a way, it's more accurate than most movies that do. Yeah, that's all. Physics, it's but, all I asked for with yeah. horror films is like they just give it lip service. You yeah, know? that's nice. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's actually got some really scary parts. I think it's got this really cool dream sequence mm-hmm. where like you there's this garbled message that keeps coming through to people in dreams. Yeah, yeah, because it's a f- the people in the future are communicating with people in the past through their dreams oh, and this okay. transmission but with tachyons or something yeah I yeah. think so and it's got it's <laughs> got, got Donald Pleasance of course oh yeah. nice yeah. yeah he when he turns up you know you're in for uh, you're in for something special Victor Wong is in that one yes, too yes yes uh, most, mostly known as uh, Egg Shin in Big Trouble in yeah. China yeah. yeah he's great yeah, yeah he is he, he plays, plays like an old physics, physics professor, professor in it and he's just wonderful so uh, what all did he make that was horror I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, The Thing and Halloween, mm-hmm. Prince uh, well, of Darkness. Yeah. One of my favorites, like later day Carpenter, is uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is a sort of a Lovecraftian-themed uh, picture. Has uh, It starts Sam Neill. Yeah. Has, uh, we had people recommend it on Facebook last week. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed it. That's one I, 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 I could watch again and again and find something new in. In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. I need to I, – I like horror movies, guys, but – I was telling Noel, like, if, if my wife was more into it, I would watch more, but she's not. Oh, and so it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where, like, I got to go off by myself and do it, which is fine. But every time I watch a good horror movie, it really, like, it's kind of like no other genre as far as, like, it makes me feel like I should watch more horror movies. But your wife won't watch horror movies. No, nah, she's not into it. But, uh, and again, I told Noel, she, she wants to know what happens. <laughs> like, I came back from Hereditary, and I was like, this movie fucking blew my mind. Oh, it was so good. And it was like one of the scariest things I've ever seen and unsettling. And she was like, well, tell me about it. And I was like, well, do you want to see it? She was like, I don't think so, but tell me, tell me like the whole thing. Have you ever tried getting her up to speed with uh, like ramping up through bad horror movies? You start that way. They're funny, right? You know, you get used to horror in a funny that. setting. <laughs> nah. That, that, I see what you mean, but she wouldn't be into that. See, I have a similar thing uh, with with my wife. Uh, I, I I've spent I think three years trying to get her to watch It Follows with me because when it came out, yeah, I, I saw thought that's one Emily might like. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it, it has. I mean, it's so well shot, uh-huh. well acted. It's not gratuitous. Uh, totally um, agree. And yeah. uh, and so, it, but it took three years <laughs> to get to that point when she like finally watched it with me. Did uh, she like last it? Week. She loved it. Yeah. All right. Does she like horror movies at all? Normally. Um. Sometimes I guess she she doesn't. I don't think she likes being like creeped out by a film. Right. Yeah. See, Emily just gets really like it. It stays with her, and you know she gets scared in the house. Mm-hmm. And I gotta admit, man, last night after Halloween, it was I think one in the morning when it was over. I go down. We're in this uh, rental house right now because we're renovating our house. So we had to completely move out, and it's in the woods, and it's got glass everywhere, and it's cool. But uh, And I'm not one to usually get freaked out, but I have to admit, last night uh, when I let my dogs out at one in the morning, I was, you know, I saw my reflection and I kind of went, oh, okay, that's just me. <laughs> and one of the dogs barked really loudly and that scared me. Mm-hmm. So it definitely like 
I'm not too ashamed to admit it. It gets into me as well. Well, it sounds like a setup for a horror movie. Oh, totally. Podcast rental house. Uh, <laughs> right. Rental house. Yeah. It'd Walking around glass everywhere. Found audio horror movie. Right. Has anybody done that yet? <laughs> no. But it's, well, uh, this doesn't ruin anything, but the new Halloween, uh, the couple of the characters are podcasters. Which oh, oh yeah. Very funny. Do they like knife some true crime <laughs> podcasters? Everybody's been waiting for that. So, did movies stay with you guys like that? Like, do you get freaked out and. To me, that's part of the fun of it is to – that adrenaline, you know, whatever. You guys probably know the science of it a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say in some cases. It's generally not what I want from my horror films. Like uh-huh. I, I want to be, uh, you know, sort of creatively engaged with it or, you know, just kind of taken away. Like I don't want to be me when I'm watching the horror film. Yeah. Uh, and then afterwards, I'd, I'd rather just sort of uh, go out thinking about the, the, the ideas that it gave me. Uh-huh. But uh, but there is something kind of thrilling about like suddenly being afraid in your house, <laughs> because, but, but yeah. not because of like uh, like natural threats, but because the thing from it follows might right. come in. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I like being scared by horror movies, and I am sometimes. Uh-huh. I mean, I've I've watched so many of them. I've gotten a little immune to, especially like the the very conventional types of scares that you see over and over. Sure. Like a mirror scare can't get me anymore right. because I've seen it a million times. You know, where the, so they're in the medicine cabinet yeah. and then they close it. Uh-huh. And the mirror's there, and there's something, some boogans behind them. Woo! Yeah, yeah, and Great then, trope. yeah, it's in every horror movie, and that just can't scare me anymore because I'm watching for it anytime anybody's in a medicine right. cabinet. It can't surprise me, um, and I'm just like, oh, okay. But I, yeah, a lot of like Hereditary. Really, I after it was over, well, I felt this weird mix of of being having been terrified by the movie. But also, I was in the theater by myself, and I was just looking around at people with my mouth open, right. like, like, did you see that too? Wow. Yeah. And there is a weird kind of way. I don't want to spoil anything about Hereditary, but the end of that movie is not just scary, but it, it, it transforms into mm-hmm. this kind of beautiful, transcendent thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the end of The Witch, too. Yes. Oh, The Witch is one of my favorite recent horror movies. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I have this weird reaction, and Nolan and I uh, – did a little review of Hereditary, and uh, I, I think it's probably the human can, body, like, trying to protect itself. But in a movie like Hereditary, when I am curled up in my seat with my fists clenched mm-hmm. so just tight, like, that's my move, um, I laugh sometimes at something that's so off the charts, mm-hmm. fucked up and scary. I find myself kind of laughing and part of it is, I think, self-protection and preservation. And part of it is, man, like, what a great idea mm-hmm. as a filmmaker. And uh, I don't know what that is. You, uh, you know the laughing? I'm, yeah. Well, we actually, uh, it may have been. Uh, it was you and Christian. Me and Christian did an episode on this maybe last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. I think it was last October. And it was, it's, it was titled, like, Why Do We Laugh at Horror f- Films? Oh, okay. And there are, I think, a few different ideas there. But one of them is that, that laughing, like, when you're scared. Uh, and then you are not killed by something, mm-hmm. the laughter is kind of like an immediate signal to other humans to let everybody know, hey, I'm not dead. Hey, there's not really a threat. You know, when I screamed and jumped wow. earlier, everybody can calm down because there's not a killer in the house. Okay. Do you ever uh, hurt yourself at home? Like you stub your toe and uh-huh. you scream or something like that, and then people, somebody's like, oh, is everything okay? And then what do you do? You start laughing. Yeah. 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 I yeah, think yeah. it's kind of like that. It's like, okay, we're coming down now. Everything's all right. Right. It depends how hard you stub your toe. I'm I'm more liable to like double down and say no. I'm not, I'm not okay. okay. Yeah, well, that's the coffee true table's too. fault. Yeah, they got me. Man, that's good stuff. 
I mean, that goes, that's got to go back to like cavemen sitting around the fire oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I, I think it, it does just predate language. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, I mean, one of the things I love most about horror movies is not just the feeling of being scared, you know, that raw sort of body physiological feeling. But I think that fear is maybe the most revealing emotion in multiple mm-hmm. ways. It's like, you know, how when you go throughout your life, you've always got these sort of layers of performance up. You've got like how you are during a job interview. Yeah. And that's not really you. And then you've got how you are around your friends. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little bit more really you. And then there's how you are at home with your like very close trusted loved ones and all that. And then under that, I think, is how you are when you're scared. Yeah. That's like baseline. Absolutely. Who you really dude. are that even you don't really know. Uh-huh. Uh, and that when you get scared, that part of you comes out and you get to see what it's like. Uh-huh. You get to see like where your mind goes when uh, when all of those layers are removed. Yeah. And it's so it's interesting in that way. Like you get to see your own reaction uh, through fear. But you also get to see what other people think is scary. Right. You know, so one of my favorite things about bad horror movies is that they're – I think one of the most culturally interesting types of artifacts mm-hmm. is like you get to see what other people out there in the culture think would be scary right. or what preoccupies them when their minds start going to a dark place. Yeah. And, and in that way, even when the movies are bad, they're usually very culturally and psychologically interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean it's been pointed out that a lot of times it's when you have some sort of uh, cultural shift going on, uh, it's not the the art films that are necessarily going to be the first ones to jump in right. and try to tell a story about it. No, it's going to be the exploitation uh, filmmakers. It's yeah. going to be the horror films and the B-movies. The yeah. lowest of lowbrow gets there first yeah. and they show you what they're worried about. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, when, when you started talking about the reaction, I immediately thought of the – that sort of uh, thing that went around the internet when when peop- they had the photos of people in the haunted house, those great reaction shots. And, you know, th- like the toughest dudes in the world right. just looking like little babies. And uh-huh. it is. It's so revealing because it just strips away everything, all the ego and everything. And and that that's kind of a horror movie trope too, like when there's the group of teenagers in the woods, like how are they all going to react? Who is – Who's going to be living at the end? Who's going to pee their pants? Right. The, I mean, so one of you asked us about uh, horror movie tropes earlier. And sure. One of the funniest ones that I think shows up, especially in slasher movies like the early 80s slasher mm-hmm. wave, is you've got – I don't know if this is the right term. I'd call them something like focus group friends uh-huh. where there's a group of friends <laughs> yeah. that they're, they're – why would these people ever hang out with each <laughs> yeah, other? It's like sure. one jock, one nerd, uh-huh. one punk rocker, yeah. one stuck-up rich girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it's like these people would never naturally be friends or hang out together, but those that's the group that went up to the cabin for the weekend. Yeah. And I think it's because – there's this natural curiosity, especially in the slasher movies, which are less about being scary and more about a kind of like geeky curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like, what would it look like if you got an axe right. in your face? And so there's that curiosity element. And you're trying to see like how would these different archetypes, these uh-huh. different types of people react in a fear scenario? Oh, That's absolutely. what people want to see. Yeah, like how would I I react? And so um, – I'm more like the nird or yeah. I'm more like the jock. Absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good insight. That was one of the great uh, questions that uh, – Facebooker threw at us last week was, would you guys survive a horror movie? And um, I said I would because I was like, I'm old and chubby, but man, I've had an amazing fight or flight response. So <laughs> well, I, I thought can, you were going to say because I'm a virgin. No, yeah. <laughs> I could, I can get moving if I need to. 
and I would try and out crazy somebody with physical violence. <laughs> you know, yeah. this comes back to though to something that that we were just talking about on on the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, it, and it comes back to what you said earlier about how we're a whole different person when we're afraid. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this this idea that we have. Uh, essentially two fear networks in our brain. Mm-hmm. One is the the, the planning network. You right. know? We're thinking about what would it what would it be like uh if uh, well or more to the point it would be like what are the what are the things that might happen to me and what can I do now to prevent them. Right. And then the other is the real time like uh, unconscious reaction uh-huh. to uh, events. And like you said we don't really know that person all that well. And I wonder if a lot of times we watch these horror movies to kind of yeah, to, to kind of guess how we might respond, just to look at these archetypes and see how they respond, and also to sort of cling on to ones right. as like the hopeful model for how we will yeah. respond when the bad things happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When I was a kid, I think everyone probably – some people still do this. I know Emily does. But anytime I was in a room, like if uh, staying with someone or my own house, I would always be like fire poker. Like I would <laughs> yeah. always have yep. the thing in the room – of like that's what I would run for mm-hmm. and grab, uh, you know, to defend myself. And I don't do that anymore, which is weird. I don't. I don't think I've gotten any braver. Yeah. Or or do you just carry a fire poker to your all fate? The time? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I do know where the various. You know, we have no weapons in our house other than like the golf club or something. But um, I don't know. I don't think about it as much. But Emily is still all about that. Like if she we, – we stayed at these friends in uh, Napa Valley one time a few years ago and they live like at the top of this mountain in the woods and it's idyllic and beautiful and the safest place on earth <laughs> and they don't lock their doors. They didn't even have a lock in their little guest house and that freaked her out so much. She was like, I was awake all night. Oh, no. It's like, Emily, we're in Napa Valley in the middle of the woods. She was like, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's where it happens. And so she had her weapons picked out and, you know, that vase is what I would grab and throw. And so she's always ready. Yeah. Rural California. That's where uh, Dan O'Herlihy's androids come for you. Yeah, that's true. Or the Golden State Killer. Ooh. Or Zodiac. Yeah, what am I talking about? (laughs) Um, So what about – I know uh, people would love to hear some deep cuts from you guys, uh, movie-wise. Um, well, I think I already did Halloween 3. Yeah, that's got to be Yeah, but I mean, that's even – that was mainstream enough to be like a major release. Like, what are your favorite really like kind of hard-to-find out there deep-cut horror films? Well, uh, one that, that I'm really fond of is uh, a 1986 film called uh, Terror Vision. <laughs> never, I don't know if you guys have seen heard this of one. It. Uh, it's directed by uh, this the guy. the rock and uh, roll one? Um, it has some rock elements to it. <laughs> uh, it so it's it's I think it's out on like Amazon Prime right now. I think everybody can can stream it. But it it has this uh, kind of Gonzo neon eighties vibe to it. Uh-huh. And the plot, as I recall, is that you have this trash compactor kind of blob <laughs> Shogoth kind of monster <laughs> that escapes from aliens and like ventures into the, these people's house uh, via satellite TV yeah. and starts messing with them and shape-shifting. And it's it's just the right balance of like fun and um, and a little bit trashy, but not too yeah. trashy and, uh, and has fabulous monster effects. It's 
God, it's 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 one is one of the the films that I I didn't see like back in the day, and I discovered it for myself in recent years, and it's probably right up there at the top in terms of films that I think really need more like of a cult following, uh-huh. more attention. Terror Vision. Terror Vision. All right, that's on the list. You know, I'm probably going to spend too much of this podcast talking about Halloween like, three bad, yeah, movie, <laughs> bad horror movies that are funny. So I want to actually focus on one that I think is really good and subtle and scary. Uh-huh. Uh, that I think is I don't I've never heard of anybody else other than my friend who recommended it to me. Knowing of this one, have, have you heard of a little Australian movie called Lake Mungo? Nope. I think it's Mungo. from like well, it's from like 2007 or so, somewhere in like mid 2000s. And it is sort of the the found footage. No, it's not found footage style. It's documentary style. Mm -hmm. So it's filmed as if it's a documentary, but it's fictional. Um, And it's basically just a documentary about a a family that dealt with the death in the family. And it turns into this ghost story that is – it's not going to have, you know, horrifying boo scares or anything like Mm -hmm. that. It just has some really subtle documentary style ghost imagery that absolutely got under my skin. Yeah. After the first time I saw it, I was like alone in the house uh-huh. and I, I couldn't stand it. I right. was so scared. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, stick around for the end credits of that movie, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but so it, I think the director has only made that movie and hasn't really done much of anything else. So, I, yeah, I just wonder what happens with people like that. Yeah, but, I thought you were going to say Wolf Creek for a minute when you said no, no, Australian. No. no. Um, that was good, though. I liked Wolf Creek. I haven't seen it. That's the more like of a – that's like a murder movie, right? Yeah, but those are the scariest ones to me. Like, I don't know what's like legit scares you guys, but ghosts. Oh, really? Yeah, ghosts. Really? Yeah, since yeah. I was a kid, it was always a, something that could really happen, like a dude breaking well, into yeah. our home and oh, killing that's, us. Oh, those, those, like, those are the, the horror films I, I just will not see. Like, I, don't, I do not want to see a home invasion horror film at this point in my life. Those are Wait tough, a minute. man. You, yeah. like, you like slasher movies sometimes. I like, well, we, I well like, you like the bad ones. I like some bad slasher movies. And re- like, to really define like, my taste in slasher movies, my favorite Friday the 13th is Jason X. Where he's in outer space. Yeah, I never saw that one. That's that's the best. <laughs> Didn't make it to the tenth in the series. Uh, I don't know how many of those I saw. Just a couple. I, I mean, I'm, I don't go super deep. So, <laughs> so ten, huh? Outer space. Yeah, yeah. Outer space is. It's you know, Jason is safely removed from me, uh, even more so than being at a summer camp. Uh, yeah, I just I'm not. But into real that. home invasion. Like the strangers or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I just I just I've don't never seen that one. I don't have that any interest in seeing that. I'm like I'm sure it looks there is a few a few of those that you know people love them. They they look like they're tremendously well made. Yeah, but it's just it's just too real. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean that's why it scares me. So let's unpack the ghost thing. Yeah, what's what's up with that? I don't know. I just find ghosts the most frightening. I mean, I've seen a million vampire movies, and I really love some of them. I, I can think of fantastic vampire movies. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Chronos. That's mm-hmm. a wonderful. Have you seen that one? Yeah, that's yeah, so good. Uh, but vampires just never scare me. Right. Same here. Uh, same thing. With, you know, werewolves. I love some werewolf movies. Mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, but it's it's just like a big dog. You know, it's just not that scary right. to me. For some reason, ghosts, that really gets to me. It's uh-huh. something about um, – it's something about – I think it's their non-corporeality mm-hmm. that makes them especially scary because when you've got a vampire or any kind of physical monster, though I, I generally love physical monsters, you think like, OK, I could run away from that. Right. I could fight it, whatever. When there's a ghost, it's like you don't know what the rules are and you don't know how it gets to you yeah. and it, it it feels like a different – level of conflict that you don't really understand. Right. You, you can't know? club it right with a baseball bat. 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And well, it also, and- but ghosts also, they generally are not just like out looking for somebody to eat, right? Ghost mm-hmm. stories <laughs> almost always have the, like some kind of involvement with the victim. The victim usually has some kind of like guilty conscience about something or, you know what I mean? Like right. there's some kind of moral involvement with the ghost. Right, right, right. Or it's a, uh, or they just want you to get the fuck out of there. Yes, that's a very house. Or well, and, the, and that's one of those types of conflicts, right? Like you're in their territory, you moved in, and they want it. Yeah, that, that's what I think. I tend to see more often. It's just like the idea that oh, now I'm messed. I've, I've, I've somehow messed up. Now I'm involved with a ghost, mm-hmm. and there's no way out of it. Like it, it doesn't. I, I don't know. I'm thinking of things like the ring, yeah. um, Oculus. Poltergeist, like they were all kind of I like enjoy all of those. wrong people. I mean, the people in the wrong place at the wrong time, right. and then they have to deal with this thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, with all of those movies, uh, it's that you don't really know the rules, right? You sure. don't understand when you're incurring the wrath of this ghostly other force. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess on all of those, it's like with Mirrors and Oculus, which was uh, what's that guy's name? Flanagan, Mike Flanagan. I oh, think. Oh, is that right? Yeah. The same guy who did the Hill House show that's on Netflix right now. Okay, I haven't Re- watched really that yet. I haven't seen that yet. Is it good? Movie. It's good. It's a huge downer, but it's really what good. What the show is? Uh, no, no, um, Oculus is. Oh, okay. Um, I, I love it, but it's it's a really depressing horror film. Um, I have not seen the TV series yet. I haven't either of you. No, I haven't. I've heard good uh, things. No, I've heard – well, I, I just for the first time earlier this year read Shirley Jackson's mm-hmm. uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is just a fantastic ghost novel. Have yeah. You, have you ever read it? No, no. It's so great because it's genuinely very scary, I think, you know, written in the 50s and uh-huh. still scary – or 50s or 60s, whichever. Uh, still scary but also very funny. Uh-huh. And that's a thing that I think I really appreciate when a horror movie can do when they give you the hot and cold showers. Where Absolutely. It is both – it has scenes that are totally comfortable and warm and mm-hmm. funny and make you feel good. And that sets you up even more for, for the great scary scenes. Yeah. Movies that just go to 11 on discomfort and, mm-hmm. and terror the whole time, th- those get monotonous. They're usually yeah. not very good. Yeah. I think I kind of agree with that. Uh, I, this, one thing that comes to mind here, you said that you, with the ghosts, you don't know what the rules are. And yeah. That's like the scary part. It does seem like with some of these movies – Okay, haunted mirrors. We, no, most people really don't actually understand how mirrors work, and therefore right. it's terrifying. Yeah. With haunted house movies, especially poltergeist, mm-hmm. like home ownership, nobody really has that down. <laughs> right. And therefore, like the ghosts are the perfect uh, metaphor for it. They're a metaphor yeah. for the renovators who came in before they flipped the house right. on you. Yeah, and <laughs> you get to find out all the stuff that they cut corners on over time. Well, and a lot of times that's a big part of uh, a horror film is figuring out the rules yeah. as the characters – like with It Follows, yeah, that was a big part of that movie. Was is especially for that one because it was unseen, yeah. And uh, I think I need to see that one again. Oh man, I could watch yeah, that so, one so many times. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most original horror mythologies I can think of. It's hard to do that nowadays too. It's hard to come up with original stuff. Yeah, it, it artfully uh, allows room for contemplation. Like it, it forces you to think. Well, well what actually happened with this scene that. Yeah, you know, like what what happened when she went out to the boat? What right. what happened when this character is driving through this bad part of town towards the end of the film? Whereas, like a lesser movie, a, a, a really bad horror film, will have those kind of gaps uh, due to negligence. Right. Uh, whereas here, they're they're part of of the design. And yeah, it works yeah. Perfectly. Yeah, that was a good one. Nolan and I were talking about too how the uh, the setting of that movie, the time, mm-hmm. uh, was sort of 
it was weird because it felt like the 80s. But also now? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was kind of cool how they did that. Well, they got that uh, that 80s, like, Spielbergia, kids on bikes uh-huh. in a neighborhood kind of thing. Uh, yeah. They had that going on. And so that definitely took you back to the 80s, even though it seemed like the technology was more – like, there were cell phones in it, right? It has weird technology in it because yeah. they're using flip phones and then somebody has, like, a, a clamshell e-reader that yes. doesn't actually exist. Yeah. They made that for yeah. the movie, yeah. And uh, Noel's uh, contention, I think I agree with him, is just that all of that kind of unsettles you mm-hmm. as a viewer because it kind of throws you off because you don't even know when it takes place. Yeah. And that's just sort of an unsettling feeling in itself. The You know, just the thing I was talking about with the hot and cold showers, uh-huh. uh, It Follows does that naturally because every time they gain distance from the thing, it's walking so they know they've bought some time and they can right. rest for a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect mythology for that kind of structure in a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, if there aren't um, peaks and valleys mm-hmm. and te- relief of tension uh, – Although a movie like Hereditary was a pretty good example of there weren't a lot of funny bits in that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any. Were there? Uh, there were a That was couple. fairly taut. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't very funny, but it did have like moments where you could rest. You yeah. Know, it wasn't just terror and discomfort the entire time. Like there were – uh, the initial times that uh, you know Tony Collette m- met the other woman, and before that turns, yeah, that's true. I don't want to spoil anything, but well, yeah. we already reviewed it on the show. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it, it, the the trailers don't make it look tremendously funny. <laughs> no, it's not, not a funny. Lot of gags. <laughs> <laughs> There's there 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 are low stress moments in it. Yeah, but that's one of the great parts about, and it's a certain kind of horror movie where if you have legitimate comedy written in. It's always welcome for me. And the new Halloween has some funny bits. Yeah. And, uh, of course, like the great uh, Sam Raimi and all of his movies. uh, Well, Army of Darkness, actually. That was probably a full-on comedy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even think there was much horror in that. Although those creatures are still pretty frightening. Oh, indeed. Yeah. I'd almost just say Evil Dead 2 is a comedy. Would you not? Yeah, I mean, someone put that on the Facebook list as their favorite horror movie, and I did pose that question. I was like, "Is he?" I mean, it is horror, but um, not like the the first one. The first one was definitely uh, way more horror, I think, than comedy. But he always has struck that balance really well, I think. Disgraceland, a music and true crime podcast about musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly, hosted by me, Jake Brennan, is back with season five, and you're not going to want to miss new episodes on Guns N' Roses, Jay-Z, Prince, Ozzy Osbourne, Nipsey Hussle, Selena, The Rolling Stones, and more. Winner of the recent 2019 Best Music Podcast Award by iHeartRadio and named to Apple Podcast Best of 2019 list for the second straight year, Season 5 of Disgraceland is set to explode into your ears once more with all the crime, grime, scandal, and drama you've grown addicted to. Billboard Magazine, Variety, GQ, Forbes, Ryan Seacrest, and Rolling Stone have all praised Disgraceland. If you love music and if you love true crime, then you're going to love this show. Listen to Disgraceland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rockerola. All right, guys. So let's. Um, I mean, what's your all-time favorite horror movie? Do you have one? Who? Uh, man, that's hard to say. I. 
I'm a big fan of Jaws, but I don't know if you consider that a horror movie. Um, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, more of that's an adventure movie to me. Uh, I mean, I watch that every year, but it's uh, one of my favorite movies. Every summer on on the Fourth of July, Rachel and I watch Jaws. We like fall asleep to it at the oh, end man. of the night. So great. Uh, it's it's kind of perfect. And now that movie's too fun. Yeah, to me to be a horror movie, but it is a great monster movie. Sure. But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a horror movie. I'm really bad at all time favorites. I, yeah. I Whenever somebody asks me that, I just have to like list things that pop to mind. Yeah, that just, I, I like mean, a lot. But I mean, talk about any of your favorites. But I mean, recent movies. Uh, I, I definitely think of The Witch. I think of yeah. The Babadook. I think of. Oh uh, yeah, that was great. Oh, so good. Uh-huh. See, now that's an example of a film. I everybody said it was great, and I sat down to watch it, and it was. I think it was not long after um, uh, 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 we got our son. And I was just like, no, I can't do this. I, uh-huh. just, I just can't watch a, a haunted film with some sort of a child element in it. Yeah. Well, I've heard that about people like sometimes having kids changes what kind of horror movies they can enjoy. They ruin everything. Really? <laughs> kids do, yeah. Yeah. You can't enjoy anything you used to enjoy. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm with you though, uh, for sure. Like in any any stuff involving kids mm-hmm. now is, is like tough for me. For well, sure. You know, uh, Gene Siskel used to – I know you do the, you know, what did Ebert say? Yeah. Thing. Gene Siskel used to always complain about that. Like when they were re- reviewing movies on uh, Siskel and Ebert, any time there was a movie that put a child at, per- at peril, uh-huh. he would massively penalize the movie for it. Yeah. Like sometimes it seemed like that would be the sole criterion that, that drove him to a thumbs down for a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I get he, that. He hated it. What about you, Robert? Do you have an all-time favorite? Or yeah, it has to be hands down the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. like it. Even though, yeah, it's a uh, it's not supernatural. It doesn't have uh, monsters, and uh-huh. gen- generally, my thing is is monsters. But just the it feels like a, a really almost kind of a perfect storm of elements. Like yeah. you, you have that kind of grimy late seventies yeah. documentary feel, uh, this rural setting, mm-hmm. and this sense of like, I mean, the opening with the, the solar flares, everything just feels like cosmically misaligned. Uh, yeah. I, that's one that I, I feel is just great from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, there's something about uh, just like a fucked up hillbilly yeah. Yeah. crew. And well, it, family that's like, mm-hmm. I, I know it's terrible to, to – because uh, it just identifies like one segment of the population and saying, you people are creepy. But wait, no, it's flatlands in Texas. So it would be, it'd be uh, flatbillies, right? Oh, yeah. yeah flatbillies, not hillbillies. Oh, <laughs> Is that a word? Flat no, I just okay. made that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we might can make, go wide with that one. That's good. The Texas hillbilly <laughs> chainsaw family, flat the flatbillies. Well, and just uh, for sheer sound design, I pointed out last week when they were talking about the best murder weapons – um, it's hard to beat that chainsaw. Yeah. 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 It's just so loud and uh, it's just terrifying. Yeah. Even though it's not a good murder weapon. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, in reality. Yeah. Like the, the <laughs> Y'all whole, thought like, about this? Cranking it's it unwieldy. Yeah. You got to count on it to start. Well, uh, I know I know. Noel was re- a big fan of um, Panos Cosmatos' as, uh, um, uh, Mandy as well. Have you yeah, seen Yeah, I this? haven't seen it yet. I'm, I can't wait. I've well, there's, there's a, there is great. a scene where a character is, is going to sneak up on somebody with a chainsaw and they're like <laughs> – they're like <laughs> starting it up, and yeah, it, it, so sound, yeah, sound design wise, it, it's it's great, but of course, it's totally impractical. Yeah, there's no, I mean, if it doesn't start, you're just stuck with this heavy thing. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess you could try and hit someone with it, <laughs> but it's too heavy to even swing, really. Yeah, uh, th- th- a knife for me is the scariest shit. There's something about being yeah. stabbed in a kitchen knife that's just terrifying. Another recent favorite I thought of. Have you seen uh, House of the Devil? Ty West, House of the Devil. 
from yes. like 2000, I think, eight or nine, sometime around there. Yep. I thought that one was just killer, slow burn, uh-huh. long, slow build. I like movies like that. I mean, Lake Mungo is like that, too, uh-huh. where, there, where there's a, just a slow, oh, yeah, steady that's, building that's my of favorite tension. Thing too. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was good. That had uh, unrecognizable to me, but um, what's the actress that uh, from Top Gun? Oh, uh, yeah. What is her name? Um, there was a woman Kelly in Top Gun? Something? I don't remember. Yeah, remember the love interest in oh. Top Gun. Oh, wait. She's in that? You thought it was just all homoerotic tension. That's, what I, that's the only thing I remember. Goose? Was Goose in House of the Devil? <laughs> no, the lady. Uh, Iceman. I can't remember her name. But she's she's the, the old lady in that movie. Um, Mary Waranos? No. Am I thinking of the right movie? You might be thinking of the wrong movie. I think the. I'm going to look. I think the old lady in House of the Devil is uh, the lady who is in like uh, Eating Raul and the uh, beginning of Chopping Mall. Which oh, have, have you Chopping seen Chopping Mall. Mall? No. Oh, that one's so good. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it's an 80s technology gone amok movie where they've got robots that are supposed to be these security droids <laughs> to defend a mall. And, of course, some horny teenagers stay over overnight mm-hmm. to hang out and party in the furniture store. But then all of the security droids uh, attack. And right. It, yeah, it's pretty great. So I was thinking of the innkeepers. Oh, that was great, too. Yeah, that's one I was that's thinking That's also Ty West. I, yeah, They're I both Ty West movies. I did not see House of the Devil. Oh, you should see House of the Devil, man. And Kelly McGillis from Top Gun oh, is okay. the creepy old lady in Kelly the McGillis. Okay. Did, did I get the other lady's name right? Mary Waranov, I think maybe it is. Oh, okay. All right. So I need to see House of the Devil then. Yeah, and it's got it's got a uh, – oh, what's his name? Uh, from um, from Manhunter and uh, – Tom Noonan. Oh. Oh, yeah, Tom sure. Noonan's One of like the great movie creeps of all time. The creepiest mm-hmm. dude ever. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know anything about Tom Noonan personally, but I always feel bad because I bet he's just the sweetest guy on earth. Yeah. But he, he is the creepiest human ever born. Yeah, but you know what? When you're born with a face like that, like you're making money off of it. Mm-hmm. It's like the guy who played uh, Buffalo Bill. Oh gosh, he's been in so many things, and mm-hmm. he, he's always Buffalo Bill to me. <laughs> he uh, bad for him, but he was in that uh, that that remake of The Hills Have Eyes, and he plays yeah. the, the dad, and he's great in that. Like that's a one of these revenge films where um, there's so much care put into the beginning of it. Yeah. You end up falling in love with these characters to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and then you really don't want anything terrible to happen to it. But right. it was so weird to just totally buy into him as just this dad. Boy, talk about the character, though. The Hills Have Eyes, that guy. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean. You know, what, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Berryman? Talk- yes, Michael Berryman. Yeah. yeah. Not John Berryman. Who's that? <laughs> the poet, John Berryman. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. All right. My, <laughs> Michael Berryman's the only Berryman for me. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we have to finish up, but I don't feel like we're done. So I would like to do this again. Can yeah. we? I'd love yeah, that. I'd love I think to. maybe we can do a part three <laughs> and uh, nudge this into November a little bit because uh-huh. I feel like we're almost – I feel like we're kind of halfway done with this conversation. I, I am – I would love to come back anytime, Chuck. This All right. Well, fun. let's do it like in the next couple of weeks and go ahead and get it out there because – uh, I didn't start early enough in October for all these horror specials. Well, and plus, all, I mean, all the other big holidays are all about nudging in on on uh, Halloween's time. So I think Halloween should yeah. get to have at least the first half of November. <laughs> okay, they're selling Christmas stuff in October. Yeah. We get to have oh, Halloween. I, know. I already episodes saw in that November. stuff up in the store. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you maybe we can talk about like this. Silent Night, Deadly Night movies like that. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good ones. Christmas I, horror are special. There? Oh, well, I don't know about good Silent Night, Deadly Nights, but there there are some solid. Christmas uh, horror. horror oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rare Exports. You know yeah. Rare Exports? Uh-uh. Oh, that one's great. It's uh, Finnish, I think. Yeah, it's Finnish 
uh, Christmas horror movie. Very, very Spielberg-y. Uh, it's got, like, killer Santa Clauses. It's it's great. Oh, man. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for coming. Everyone check out Stuff to Blow Your Mind. And uh, I'm serious. Let's get in here, like, next week and the next week and finish this up. All right. All sounds man. good to me. Thanks, thanks, dudes. Thanks, man. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards and It Could Happen Here, and uh, generally a guy who spends a lot of time bummed out about the state of the world. So in July of 2019, I traveled to northeastern Syria for a bit of a shot in the arm. And I got it when I discovered members of a feminist, anti-fascist, revolutionary project who are working to build a more equitable society. It's a crazy story, and you can hear it all on The Women's War. Our first episode drops on March 25th. Listen to The Women's War on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Teach Me Something New, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Britain Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. This show is about inspirational thinkers, scientists, artists, and CEOs, and the things they've learned that have transformed their lives. I'm tasking these world-class experts to teach me something new in less than an hour. Listen to Teach Me Something New on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.